0: And um, also, if you need a Bible, be our guest to take one on your way out, Uh, keep it, uh, it's our gift to you. But we're in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is all about victory, living in victory no matter what, no matter what we're facing, (laughs) even when life isn't quite perfect. But I know most of you have perfect lives. But just in case, uh, living in victory no matter what, through our faith in Jesus Christ and the holy spirit's power all right it's all about faith in christ and the holy spirit's power and the the title for today we're going to be in acts 14 21 to 28 we're going to finish acts 14 and the title is there's no stopping us there's no stopping us uh starting off i'm going to show you some pictures here i was in uh, philippines 13 years ago and let's start with some pictures. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Bob Cunningham and I were uh, t- 13 years ago in the Philippines, and here we are getting ready to go to the Corregidor. Anybody know Corregidor, World War II? All right, uh, General MacArthur, that's where they were trapped by you know the, the, you know, the, the Japanese forces. And then there's, we're coming up to Corregidor here. Look how green that is. After the war was over, there wasn't one green plant or leaf on that island. Not one, because it had been bombed so many times by both sides. Uh, but but the president of the Philippines flew over with an airplane. He had an airplanes fly over just dropping seed, dropping seed, and now it's completely green. Here we are, uh, you know, target practice. All right, go ahead, Go to the next one. And... Uh, <laughs> I got carried away. There's, uh, when we went back, I went back 10 years later uh, with Josh and uh, Megan, and there was a sign on it, no climbing the gun. Uh, so I did it. was probably for me. And I kept saying to the tour guide, she was a woman, I said, I-, I should be able to climb it because I climbed it before, and I should be grandfather claused into climbing it. She thought I was serious, so I, I harassed her. Anyway, uh, so then also Bob found a gun to hunt the woodchucks when he got back. He brought that back with him to hunt woodchucks found something you could hit him with <laughs> all right and then this is the Malinta Tunnel this is where the uh general macarthur was was holed up with his with the wounded and, and and it was like the command center and they bombed away bombed away at this but finally the president ordered him president come on help me out help me out i know it fdr fdr all right, was the president. He ordered him to go to Australia to take command of the troops. So he he left. He had a daring escape, escape by speedboats. It was crazy what he did. But he, before he left, he said, I shall return. I shall return. And two years later, after brutal fighting, brutal fighting, he landed in the Philippines. And he said, I have returned. And he's still there. There he is they have a statue of macarthur and i uh stood next to him and i promise i shall return also and i did 10 years later went back with josh and and uh megan and uh we're going to see another that was a if you know history at all, that was a dramatic return but we're going to see another dramatic return here in the book of acts even more long-lasting eternal victorious we're going to see here and let's pray father thank you for the worship thank you for everybody who's here Whether we're live or live stream, everybody who's seeing this, whenever they're seeing this, Lord, we just pray for your mercy and grace and pray that your spirit would touch us through your word. And if anybody has never put their faith in you, that today would be the day they give their life to Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, here we go. Acts 14, verse 21, we'll start with, and I'll read you the passage and you'll see why it's called There's No Stopping Us, No Stopping Us. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Thessidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed, but to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. There's no stopping us. Now remember... If you've been following along with what we've been doing here, Paul had just been chased out of each of these towns that he's just going back into here. He had been chased out of each one. Remember, they they didn't have guns. This is a Western, right? They had stones. They chased them out of each one. We saw last time how the posse finally catches up with him in Lystra. And what did they do to Paul? Stoned him. It's a it's a lynching, really. You know, the western the posse catches up to him and and they they lynch him. They stone him. They thought they stoned him, but turns out they didn't quite finish the job. Well, they did, but God resurrected him. Right? He gets. They all thought he was dead. The disciples gather around him. He gets back up he's alive, zombie, right? Uh, He gets back up alive. He goes back into the city. They probably felt like they were seeing a zombie. They're probably scared of him, right? And now we see, after all that we see in this passage here, he goes right back into each of those hostile towns, just like the Western, right? The the guy gets chased up by the bad guys, and he goes back into the town, you know, and and he goes back in, and this time he gets them all back again. You know, Clint Eastwood, you know, he's in all those movies, right? And that's what happens. Verse 21, look, what he says here they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples then they returned to lystra iconium and antioch the three different places now this antioch he's talking about here later on it's the original antioch the antioch here they're talking about is antioch pisidian which was the first place they were chased out of okay he was chased out of iconium then he was stoned in lystra he goes back into these three cities why Why did he go back into them after they chased him out? Now, why would he go back in? The Holy Spirit, exactly. Are you reading my notes? The Holy Spirit (laughs) led him. The, The same. The Holy Spirit first led them to leave each of those towns. Remember, I said he wasn't afraid. The Holy Spirit led him to leave each of these towns and keep going to new towns, and now the Holy Spirit has led him to return to these very places because he had a very important job to finish. A very important job if the baby Christians in these towns, with a lot of converts in each of these towns, if the baby Christians and the baby churches were to survive, he had a very important job to do. Very important job. The first important job is he was showing them, modeling to them that they should not be afraid. Don't be afraid. He knew the believers were going to be persecuted. He knew many of them would be martyred. Look at verse 22. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. He's, he's telling them, that, warning them, encouraging them, showing them that they should not be afraid. Hey, I'm back. Look what they did to me, right? I'm back. And, and, and he's teaching them something also, that nothing can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing can stop us. We have the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can stop us. Second Corinthians 4, 7 to 10, when when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, listen to what he says to them. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not Crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Right? He's just been struck down by stones, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Look at what he went through and what he's teaching them and us. What he's teaching them, and I say how we have to be prepared for what's coming, what's already here in the United States, what's coming to this world. We have to be ready. In 15, Second Corinthians 4, verse 15, he says to them, all this is for your benefit. Everything that I've gone through, everything that we've gone through is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Wow, that's a good one, isn't it? Though outwardly we are though out, outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That far outweighs them all. So we, uh, one more verse. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow, this is what Paul is teaching them. This is what he's modeling for them. In next he also he, he he did it to model that that nothing can stop us that we have the holy spirit's power but then he also was following up the new churches and the baby christians because he knew that was they had to come back The Holy Spirit sent him back. He had to come back for their survival. It was vital that he came back and and got them really established and grounded. It was vital for their survival. Baby churches need a lot of care. Baby Christians, brand new Christians need a lot of care, just like babies do, right? If, if you help lead someone to Christ and they become a Christian, they're a baby Christian. You better take care of them. You better follow them up. You better feed them. You better teach them to feed themselves. You better help them to grow up. Very, very important. Just like just like regular babies, right? You don't just have a baby and and leave it somewhere. Well, some people do, but it's not it's not good for them, right? Uh, I, you know, we just had three new grandchildren. Different, you know, three sons and their wives had three new grandbabies. And their parents are in a shock. Uh, each of the parents are in different states of shock. But they're in shock because how much work it is, right? It's a lot. Remember when you first had your first job? A lot of work. It's a shock, right? Day and night. There's no escaping these. Creatures, right? Yeah, they they want something, and you got to give it to them, right? So, and and that that's you have to take care of babies. It's very very important that you you take care of them. I know growing up on a farm, baby animals. We were constantly taking care of baby animals. It was my mom's job. My mom's job. She oversaw it, but we helped her. Uh, it was her responsibility, but we helped her. Uh, the little baby calves. We were always giving them milk. They wanted their milk. They had to get their milk. We would give them a bottle and then we teach them how to drink out of a pail and they would still be always hungry so they always wanted to suck on our hand you ever had that with a calf you know you, you just stick your hand out and they just suck on your hand they'll suck on it all day if you let them do it you know they just love to they just love to suck on whatever they're looking for milk but uh anybody anybody know what i'm talking about everybody, yeah they won't let go right they won't let go it's the craziest thing yeah yeah it's the craziest thing right uh and, so, and then the baby chicks, when the baby chicks were hatched, we had to make sure they had their little food that they could eat so they would survive. Even wild animals, we would find little baby birds and we'd try to save them and feed them. And- it's hard to save baby birds. It was rare to get them to survive, but we'd try everything. to would try to save them. Or, or baby bunnies. You ever find a baby bunny? They're a little tricky, too, unless they're a little bigger. But we'd put them in a box and give them all the alfalfa and clover, and then all of a sudden they would hop. We'd have these boxes this high, and little bunnies would be popping out. Okay, they're ready to go outside, and we'd put them out in the, out in the field, right? Uh, we, even, uh, we even found a baby possum one time. The baby possum, we were driving down the road, and my mom uh, said... I, there, we saw a possum laying on there. you know, they're all everywhere, dead possums, right? And, uh, and But they're not always dead. They fake, right? They fake. Uh, possums are very good fakers. Uh, although I've read that, I think that someone says they aren't exactly faking. They actually have a panic attack, and they faint, and they, they pass out, and that's what saves them from being, you know, killed. So they think they, they're already dead. I remember being camping in seeing a, a possum, and, and the dogs were chasing it, we were camping, and, and all of a sudden all of a sudden it was like flopped over, and I saw the dogs killed it, we were trying to save the possum from the, you know, from the dogs, and then came back a, f- a little bit later, and it was gone, <laughs> it got up and walked away, but we're driving down the road, my mom sees a possum, and she goes, I think something was moving on that, and she, you know, that might have a baby hanging, you know, they hang on the babies, you know, so we stopped the car, my mom got out, and sure enough, there was a baby possum latched on with the mom there. The, the possum had been hit by a cart, but the baby, we brought it home and we tried to save it. And we gave it little, we had little baby bottles, you know, little doll bottles we would, you know, we, we use with the kittens too. And we would feed, we were feeding him and he was all excited. Little possum, ugliest little thing. But they, uh, but we, we got attached to it. And, and then I would, then as it got bigger, we'd catch crickets. And we'd let him go in the living room and, and we'd let the cricket start hopping and he would just zoom, you know, get him. You know, he, he was voracious. Would, anything we could find, he would chase it and eat it. It was crazy. And then he got big and at and he, and he, first he was really friendly. He would hang, we'd hang him, hold him by the tail and all that stuff. And then he got uh, wild. And we had to put, we had this old trailer that we kept him in and we'd bring him some food, carrots and different stuff. And he dug his way out through the hole and took off one time. And the last, last thing we heard was, our neighbor said, uh, my grandpa just shot a rabid possum. He ended up in our neighbor's uh, basement and a cellar. We have cellars, and, and in there they have all the canned, you know, they're actually jarred, but fruit and vegetables. And he was in there knocking them off, smashing them, eating everything, you know. And he came down with a gun thinking, what's going on down here? And, and, and he says, hey, get out of here. And it turned on him and it came running up to him, so he shot it turned out it was our possum because it it was friendly but you you thought it was rabid right because possums don't run up to you so he thought it was rabid but he's actually just friendly but anyway sad story but anyway uh, (coughs) we saved him we saved him but cats but cats were the was was really important because the cat the cats would lay their kittens in the Barn. barn out in the Hey, right? They would find, because they, they liked their dens. They liked their little dens and they little caves, and it's just natural. They find their little dens and, and they they'd crawl in where the, the, the hay bales were like there was a hole. They would crawl in and, and make a little den and have their babies in there. And it was great because they kept them safe. That was nice. But if you didn't find those kittens, they grew up wild. So we are constantly trying to find these. Uh, you know, as soon as we saw a mother kitten, didn't have she had a big belly, and then she didn't. And we were like, oh, we got to find them. And we would like, watch them, and they would watch us, and we'd watch them. And I was really good at it. I would sneak after them, and I'd like, hide it. I could always find the kittens. I always found them. Mother, kittens, mother cats hated me for it. But I had to because if I didn't find them, and I'd reach in after they were a little older, and I'd start to pet them. If you didn't do that, they grew up wild. You could never touch them again. So I would, I would pet them and pet them and put them all back in and come back every day and keep petting them. And, and we had like... Four or five litters at a time. Now, you always pet them and tame them. And, and, uh, there's Jenny. You're thing, right? You're growing up, right? Uh, got another farmer back there. And, uh, but, but the tricky thing, not only did we have to find them to tame them, but if the mother was killed, and it would happen on the farm, sometimes they would be killed. The kittens, if you did not know where they were, if they hit them too well, the kittens would starve to death. And couple, like one time I didn't find them in time, but I usually could find them. I'd listen for the crying and I'd try to find them and get them. And then we'd have to feed these little kittens. They would. We have these little teeny bottles and we'd be feeding them and feeding them. And, and kittens are easy to raise and save. And so we'd have all these kittens and they would be so tame. But that was, we, we had to. If, if I didn't find them and feed them, they would starve to death. And so, and then after that, they were like, they were like human you know they would follow me everywhere uh they would uh, i the cats i had this thing with cats dogs i love their dogs too i had dogs all you know follow me all the time but the cats they would follow me around the barn i'm trying to do my chores and there would be like four five six seven cats following me around like the pied piper and i'd have to stop pet them pet them you know then i'd go a little further pet them pet them them they always want to be petted and it hasn't stopped even to this day uh we have a new kitten as you know and this kitten always wants to be in my office and she's coming and bugging me and then finally I lose my I don't lose my I lose my temper I, I, you're going outside and I throw it outside and then guess where it ends up it ends up hanging on the screen uh, this is what the kitten does so uh, this is actually christmas morning we we're all opening presents and it was ripping the digging and going crazy i finally said, get this cat out of here He's gonna ruin our christmas put it outside there he's hanging they wanted to come back in yeah. but this is what he does at my work window you know and i'm like i shut the shade and all this stuff you know but uh but <clears throat> you have to you have babies babies need a lot of work Baby animals, baby people, and baby Christians and churches are no different. We have to take care of them. Very, very important. New Christians, if someone puts their faith in Jesus, they say, God, I I repent of my sin. I believe Jesus died on the, on the cross for my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him for forgiveness and for a new life in Christ. When we, when we pray that prayer of faith, we become a brand-new Christian, a baby Christian, but we have to take care of them. Just like we all need to be taken care of spiritually, we need to take care of them. They, new Christians have to be fed they need to have their diapers changed. No, I'm kidding. Uh, spiritually, they do. Uh, you know, there's a lot of messes that are made. Uh, they need to be encouraged. They need to be discipled. First Peter two two, two two says this. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by you may grow up in your salvation. And talking about that's what a new baby needs—that pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. Talking about the Word of God there, but but and and new new christians need that but also if you, if someone's a new christian and they're vulnerable for some reason they need intensive care just like a baby that's born that has health issues. They need to go into the neonatal unit. You know, we've had several of those, right? Uh, it, it, the same thing with with, with a new Christian. If, if someone you lead to Christ and you've helped them become a Christian and they have special struggles, maybe addictive sins come to mind, right? Addictive sins or marriage struggles or family pressures or whatever it is. When they, When it's intensive, you have to give them Extra, extra care. Very, very important. And baby churches are the same. When a fir- church is first starting out, just like in the Book of Acts, when a church is just starting out, they need support until they get established. FBC in Doylestown was our mother church, as m- many of you know. And when we first started out, they they really helped us out. They sent core people uh, from the the church to help us get started. They sent teams. Uh, they, they did. The, they sent every Sunday. They sent teams to lead worship and to work with the children's church and all kinds of things. They helped 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 us out with and they also helped us financially for the first couple of years they helped us financially to get us established they also very important thing gave us a leadership support team an lst it was called and several people from the mother church uh pastors pastor dan and bill simon some of you remember bill simon the missionary from the philippines uh they formed a, a team that established and they functioned as our leadership until we had elders and deacons that were ready until we we were, we were able to, to you know, see who God had raised up to be our elders and deacons. And elders and deacons are very important. We already saw deacons in Acts chapter 7. Remember we saw them? And now we're going to see elders in this passage. We see elders. They're very important. That's what God has appointed to lead the New Testament church. The New Testament church. Elders and deacons is what God has led. That's why Paul and Barnabas appointed elders here in verse Twenty-three Here in verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And the elders were men who have spiritual maturity and they have spiritual fruit. Uh, in Titus 1, 6 to 9, in Titus 1, 6 to 9, thought just use this here. An elder must be blameless. Listen to what it says about elders. We already talked about deacons, but we're going to talk a little bit more. But an elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, or pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it that's the job of the elders of the elders uh, uh, and pastors notice it went to overseers there too uh overseer pastor shepherd it's all used interchangeably because uh, from the elders is where the pastors of the church emerged and and still should emerge um, New Hope Community Church has elders and deacons, um, which uh, I'm going to actually have them come up front just so you can see who they are because a lot of people don't know who they are. I want my, oh, my elders and deacons to pop up here. Uh, go ahead, stand up, guys. Uh, I, I sent you an email. You already know this is happening. Come on, come on up. Come on up. All right. uh, well, I guess I'll let them stand wherever they are. So uh, so uh, first of all, deacons, Brian Scheel. And Bob Cunningham, who's not standing, what you saw, his picture already, he's camera shy, but uh, Bob Bob Cunningham are our two deacons. And then for elders, myself, uh, we have Todd, who you already, Todd Bunce, you already know with the worship, Jim Davis, and then we have uh, Paul Vanderbilt back here, and also Chuck Harrison. Okay, I think I got everybody. Okay, so you guys can go ahead and sit down here. But these are our elders and deacons. And the reason I had them stand up is because you see them ministering often. They're doing ministry and stuff. But they are constantly ministering in the church. Some things you see... Most of the things you don't see, you just see the tip of the iceberg. They're constantly helping people, reaching out to people. Uh, And I want you to encourage you that if you do need spiritual encouragement or or help meeting physical needs, these are the guys to to go to, and they will connect you in the body of Christ. That's that's their job. And notice that we're not just elders, but we're also olders. Except for myself. But uh, some of, uh, I, I'm kidding. We're older. And the reason I mention that is because we're not just elders, but but we need a new generation of leaders, too. We need younger men uh, to 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 grow spiritually and to be ready. Uh, 1 Timothy. Let's look at what it says here in 1 Timothy 3. Here's a trustworthy saying if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he. He desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be con- conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So that is the, um, the elders. But then he goes into deacons. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife, and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, so uh, listen, there's lots of godly men in our church, and and you don't have to be an elder or a deacon to serve. Everybody is using their gifts in so many different ways. But but some you may have a leading that God does want you to take the uh, 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 another step. Uh, and do even more take on more responsibilities i want to encourage all the men in our church to grow and to get involved in serving to be ministering in in many different ways and if god leads to uh get mentored and to to move into a deacon or an elder role you don't have to there's lots of ways you can minister that there's not it's not oh we're better than anybody else it's not anything like that it's simply though that god may lead you into Taking on even more responsibility, and and I know everybody is here doing so many different ministries. It's awesome. But if you sense God leading, uh, and you want to be mentored for that next level, then talk to me or talk to one of the others, the deacons, and we can really pray about that. Okay. But back to the Book of Acts. Let's finish up the Book of Acts, chapter fourteen, not the Book of Acts, just chapter fourteen, verses twenty-six to twenty-eight. Where he says here, because we're going to see, not only did Paul and Barnabas return to those hostile cities, but they also returned to somewhere else. Paul, and, um, on a, from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch. Now, this is the Antioch that they started from. Not Antioch, Pisidian, which was a different one. But this is ascending Antioch in Syria, where they started from. They sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Remember Acts 13, set apart at their home church. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. They returned to their home church, too, also to report, and they stayed a long time and that they they had to really encourage their sending church right this had to really encourage them they used their spiritual gifts think of Paul and Barnabas coming here you know they 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 brought their spiritual gifts they they shared how god was working you can imagine their test their testimonies and their show and tell time you know you know uh, see the scars this is where they hit paul with the uh, the rock you know and look at the dent on his forehead yeah i got this one in Lystra, you know you can imagine and and then paul we Barnabas, yeah, we thought he was dead, you know. Uh but he got back up again. I thought I was in charge. No, he gets back up again. He does a zombie act and Paul Paul, what happened? Tell him what happened. Yeah, I saw a light. I saw a light. I was going toward the light, just like I saw back in Acts chapter nine. It was Jesus. But he said, Uh uh-uh, uh, Paul, go on back. You're staying. You can imagine the the discussions they have. Can you imagine the testimonies, you know? What was it like, you know? And and then uh, I'm sure that encouraged Paul and Barnabas also, and I'm sure they needed some R&R after what they went through. They went and saw the specialists. They have their bones set, you know, the broken bones, right? Uh, but this is really a biblical model, a biblical model that, that there should be a main sending church, a, a church, a mother church, a main sending church. It's okay to have others partner but there should be a main sending church that 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 the the missionaries can come back to and really be ministered to for too long i know growing up for too long missionaries didn't really have a main church they had to they they had to see lots of churches i know some missionaries had 50 sending churches and the and it's great that they have all these different churches but the problem is when they come back from the mission field they have to visit all of them, right? And and I, I've i talked to enough missionaries to know it can be more exhausting to come home than the mission field was. They're supposed to come home and get recharged, R&R, right? But they come home and they have to see all these different churches. They I know some missionaries, they, they travel from the East Coast to the West Coast and back again, just looping the country, seeing all these churches. And that's exhausting to do, right? And that's why it's... I think the biblical model, the best model, is to have a main setting church. It's okay to have other churches supporting you, but there should be one that you come back and you spend a lot of time with, and you get recharged because the missionary needs to be recharged. They need that time. Uh, very, very important. Uh, now, having said all that, how is God speaking to us about missions? How is he speaking to us as we look at this passage? Uh, How's he talking to us? How's he talking to you individually? How's he speaking? Well, we already know what he said. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then starting verse 3, he says, No, he didn't just say go. He said, go! Look at the exclamation point. In the Greek, it's not go. It's go! That's what Jesus said. He said, go. How are we going to go? We are all called to missions. Did you know that? To go. Now, it may be short-term. You may be called to go to the Dominican Republic. We send groups there all the time, and now that COVID is finally getting past, we're, we're trying to plan another trip to go to the DR to with, with Dave and Megan Adams. Uh, it might be Peru. You might want to go and talk to Brian and start – we're starting to talk about, you know, praying about getting down to Peru. It might be uh, – we know Matt Shields is getting ready to go to Tennessee. Is that right? No, North North, you know, sorry, sorry. Down south. All right. Down. North Carolina. And uh, he, I talked to him. He still needs $500. Still needs $500, and he needs it today. All right? Uh, it's done? All right. He needed it today. We were short. It's already, forget it. You're too late. You're too late. You missed out on the blessing. All right. It's all done. All right. Uh, but today was the deadline. All right? So, but, but God could lead you to lots of different places to the, to the uh, short-term mission. Maybe, though, he's even going to lead you to commit your life to full-time missions. We may call you to a full time mission to, to go somewhere in the world or or even right here in the u s the mission listen you don 't have to leave the u s to go to the mission field anymore. The amazing thing about the mission field is the mission field has come to us. There are people from all over the world that don't know Jesus Christ that are here, and we can minister to them here now. You don't have to go anywhere. You know, there's lots of, lots of the mission field is here. Maybe God is calling you around the world, or maybe God is calling you across the street, across the street, across the street. God could be calling you anywhere. He could be putting someone on your heart right now to pray for and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. I know you're probably thinking about someone right now because the Holy Spirit's constantly leading us, isn't he? Who has he been putting on your heart? Who is he leading you to share with? Maybe, maybe God is putting someone on your heart that, that is already a Christian, but they need to be discipled. They need to be mentored. They, maybe they're a baby Christian that you say, wow, they, they need some encouragement here. They need to be discipled. Maybe it's a struggling Christian. Someone who's been a Christian for a while, but they need extra. They need to, to be grounded. It, and, and, and maybe you could be the one to help get them into church. Maybe they're watching online and you can get them into church uh, the live the, the live version. I'm it's more exciting live. I know you guys are watching this online, but I'm funnier in person. I've been told that many times. All right. So <laughs> uh maybe it's bible study maybe you you know someone who really needs to be in a bible study and you invite them to come to a bible study with you or one of our home fellowships maybe it's just studying a book you know there's you know, a book of the bible or a book that you know they're struggling in a certain area and, and you have a good book that would help them uh, you know search for significance or whatever it is uh, take them through a book that would really help them to grow spend time with it's it's just time it could be just after church. Hey, come on, let's go out to lunch after church and, and hang out with them. Invite them over. Just hang out and, and see where the Holy Spirit leads, how you can encourage them and, and build them up that, during that fellowship time. Maybe you are here or watching today, and you are the one who needs Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You still need to become a baby Christian. You still need to be born again. There's a reason why Jesus talks about being born again. It the the word in the Bible, when it says born again, it means born from above. It mean in the Greek, it, it means to be born spiritually. Listen to what Jesus says in Nicodemus in John chapter three, verse three. He says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when, when You must be born again. You must be born again. Have you ever been born again? John 3.16 tells us how to do that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever been born again by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. as we go in this time of prayer as we're each praying to God ourselves how is the holy spirit speaking to us right now maybe you've never been born again you are if you if we haven't been born spiritually again then we are dead spiritually we are separated from God but we don't have to stay that way because jesus died in our place on that cross to pay for our sin. And if we will ask him to forgive us for that sin and pray the prayer of faith, put our faith in Jesus Christ, give our life to him. We are born a new person in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will live inside of us and we can now connect with God as our Father any time. And you can do that now. You must be born again. And it can happen this very moment, this very second, through a prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Is the Holy Spirit leading you to pray that prayer right now? Do it. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, please forgive me for everything in my life that goes against your word and your will. Forgive me. I repent. I turn away from the garbage, the shame, the sin, the world. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus. My faith in his death. On the cross for me. My faith in his resurrection from the dead for me. To give me a new life. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing, dramatic, life-changing, eternity-changing has happened to you. You are in for the shock of your life because you have just been born again. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you now. And your life will never be the same. Just watch. I want to encourage you if you have taken that step of faith to tell somebody today. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. Maybe they're even here with you here. Tell them today. Call someone if you have to. Email, text. If you don't have anybody to tell then tell me. Tell me on the way out. Or or text me or call me or email me. NHCC at Comcast.net. Because I'll be excited for you and I will help you get connected and grow. those of us who are already born again, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through this passage? Maybe he's laying somebody on our heart to to pray for and to share Jesus with. Maybe he's brought the mission field to us in a way that we never expected. He's brought someone or some people into our life that we weren't even looking to reach. Maybe he's calling us to to go somewhere, like Matt's going somewhere to reach out and, and help some folks. Or maybe it's even dedicating our life to the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe he's put a baby Christian on our heart or a young, struggling Christian that needs encouragement and will commit to that. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would complete what you're starting in our hearts today through this passage. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.